already got it. When you really believe, you can talk like you already got it. I said, when you really believe, you can praise him like you already got it. Hallelujah! Somebody got it. Hallelujah. Somebody got it. Hallelujah. If you understand, you, you get it before you get it. Oh, somebody know what I'm talking about. You get it before you get it. You got to get it in your mind and in your spirit before you see it. I, I get it before I see it. I don't see it, but I've already got it. I said I don't see it, but I've already got it. Because whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever I lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's already done. Hallelujah. It's already done. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise in here. Hallelujah. 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 
There's a testimony in the holler. I'm hollering because I don't have enough time to tell you that everything that God's already done, I'm hollering because you won't take time to listen to everything that I've been through. And I'm hollering because I get emotional when I think about what is done and I can't express it in words, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession in our groans and hollering. So when I say, Sister Venus, I know he's been good. Hallelujah. That's all right, Sister Vanessa, I know he's been good. Hallelujah. It's all right, Sister Lisa, I know he's been good. Sometimes you can't express it. Sometimes you're just sitting there holding yourself. And when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that is done for you, hallelujah. 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 It's hard to contain yourself. It's hard to express it. But God's been so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The indescribable greatness of God's goodness, of how good he's been to each and every one of us, and whereof we're glad. Come on, put those hands together one more time and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Testify to three people and say he's been good. He's been good. I don't have time to tell it all. But just know that he's been good. He's been good to me. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful for God's goodness. Hallelujah. I'm thankful and I'm grateful for God's goodness. Hallelujah. I'm not worthy and I didn't deserve it. So all I can be is thankful for his goodness and his kindness and his mercy to me. And I, just throw those hands up one more time and say, he's been good. Hallelujah, he's been good to me. And whereof I'm glad and I'm thankful. Amen. I'm going to go quickly to the word of the Lord. You guys have been praising and giving God some praise on this morning because God has made his presence felt in this place. Hallelujah. We're going to Genesis, the 40th chapter. And I'm going to look at verses 8 through 14. 
And then again in verse 23, and we'll also slide over to Genesis 41 and verse 1. We're picking up some pieces on the back end of Joseph's story there in Genesis. And we're just picking out a little bit of the story that we want to share on this morning. Genesis chapter 40, verse 8 through 14. Then I'm going to pick up verse 23. And then finally we'll conclude at Genesis 41, looking at verse 1. And there in Genesis 40 and verse 8, it says, They said to him, speaking to Joseph, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to but to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly. When you were, for, as formerly, when you were in his, when you were his cupbearer. Verse 14, only remember me when it is well with you. Remember this, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. Verse 23, it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Verse 41, I want to give you some context. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing in the Nile. Heavenly Father, Lord, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to be receptive to what you have to say to us in these few moments. Lord, give your listeners heart, your ears to be receptive and hearts to accept and receive your word. Allow your word to push us towards promise, Lord, to illuminate the path of destiny that you've designed for each and every one of us. And most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave this destiny moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. Our thought for this morning is the problem with miracles. The problem with miracles. And our and our subthought, and I always leave you with a question, and the question is, are you ready for a miracle? Point at your neighbor and say, are you ready for a miracle? The reason I say the problem with miracles is because we always think that we desire a miracle. We want a miracle. I'm, we, we even have the song that says, I'm looking for a miracle. That is how we have been oriented as it relates to miracles, that we look for them, that we want them, that we desire them. But I'm going to list for you three things with miracles that we need to address ourselves to to see if we are truly prepared for miracles in our lives. 
Because, see, the first thing is the biggest one, the biggest obstacle to us receiving miracles is that miracles require inescapable situations. Miracles require inescapable situations. In other words, miracles require us to be wrapped up in a problem that we can't get out of. It requires us being captive to a problem that we do not have the power to escape. So, so we look on the, the breakthrough part of the miracle. We're looking on the outside of the miracle. and we're, we're talking about coming through the miracle, but we don't like getting inside the miracle. Because when we testify about Joseph's story, Joseph's story mostly is about captivity before he gets delivered. It's about being captive and thrown in the pit with his brothers. It's, it's, it's about being sold to the Midianite slave traders along the road and being taken into Egypt. It's about being a slave in Potiphar's house. It's about being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then being thrown further into prison. It's about interpreting a dream, and when we arrive at our text, the person who could help him forgot about it. They forgot about it. That, that was an escapable problem for Joseph, noting that in all the things that he went through, Joseph never sinned. Right. We talk about Job and all he went through and how he did not sin before God. Neither did Joseph sin before God. But yet he found himself through these great trials and tribulations and great loss in his life. And most of us, some of you might be brave superheroes. Most of you all would not sign up for what Joseph went through. Talk to me. Most of you, you wouldn't sign up. No, I, yeah, I, I, let me go on and sign up for my, my brothers hating me so much that me throw, they throw me in a pit. They dip my coat in blood and lie to my dad and say that I was killed by a wild animal. While at the same time, if it had not been for Reuben saving my life, they were really going to kill me. But Reuben said, take not his life, but sold me into slavery. I, I don't think I'm going to have many people sign up for that. To be sold in, in, into Potiphar's house and to work as a slave in his house only for his wife to lust after me. And when I did not give in to what she wanted, she ripped off my garment and told Potiphar that I had tried to lay with her. For which, for my virtue, I'm thrown into prison. I don't think anybody is voluntarily signing up for that. And I don't know how long he was in prison before he met the cupbearer. But we know that after he met the cupbearer, he was there for at least two more years. I don't think any of us are signing up for that. So the first problem with miracles that we encounter is that miracles require us to be in inescapable situations that we'd rather not be in. Think about it. I just want to think about I thought about this this morning when I was sharing it. it I, I remember I was that somebody was trying, some kid was trying to show me a magic trick in my class and they put me in some handcuffs, and, and, but they forgot the key. So then we had to jimmy and break the handcuffs to get out of the handcuffs. And what I realized that had I known they didn't have the key, I probably wouldn't have volunteered. 
The same thing with us. If we know that our situation is going to lead us to a problem where we can't escape, we're not likely to sign up for So if I'm not signing up for inescapable problems, then why am I expecting so many miracles? Because miracles require inescapable problems. Oh, come on now. When, when, when people came to Jesus, I want you to understand, when, when they came to Jesus, Jesus wasn't their first visit. Think about the people who had miracles performed by Jesus. They tried other things. They'd been around for a while. They'd waited a while before they even got to Jesus. Remember the woman with the issue of blood, when she tried all things and she had spent everything that she had. She'd gone to all the doctors. She tried all the medicines. She probably sent in for some of that miracle water. She probably called everybody, including Miss Cleo. But when she spent all that she had, said then she heard that Jesus was coming. She tried a lot of other things before she got to Jesus. It is a point of desperation that you're in that requires a miracle that many of us would rather not get into. I'd rather not be in that bad a situation to have to receive a miracle. Reminds me, I know football season is stirring and they're talking about a lot of things. And one of my favorite coaches, the Pittsburgh Steelers coach, Mike Tomlin, he saw this amazing player on, on the Washington Commanders team. And he said something that stuck with me, which, which relates to our, what we're talking about. There was this, this is amazing defensive end, big, huge specimen. I think his first name is Chase. I can't even think of his last name right now. Big 6'8 defensive end, big, strong, fast guy. And he played his team, the coach had to play that team, and that, the guy performed amazingly. But something he said at the end, he said to the guy, he said, I hope my team is never bad enough to be able to draft a guy like you. When I thought about it, for those who know football, you already understand. For those who don't, I'm going to fill you in. What happens is when your team is really bad and loses a lot of games, you get high draft picks. So what had happened is on the guy I'm speaking of, his team had been so bad the year before that they had a high draft pick and were able to draft him. But what the coach was saying, he said, I never want to basically, he said, I never want to be in such a bad situation that I'm able to select someone as great as you. Similarly, when we talk about being in miracle situations, do we desire to be in a bad enough situation that requires a miracle? In fact, the Bible may teach, teach against that when it says that do we, do we continue to tempt God that grace may abound? Do we continue to put ourselves in perilous situations so that God can, can rescue us with a miracle? It's the, and, and the result of that, the answer is God forbid. Why would I continuously put myself in situations where I need the miracles of God? At some point, at some point, I ought to get better. At some point, I, I ought to get better. What I'm saying by that, I, and I often think of this when I, when I, when in the context of our daughter being born, my wife and I often say our sons were at an age where they kind of attended to themselves and didn't need a lot of help. And then we started over and had a baby. 
And what we realized is when we did that, we were going to have to change some things about our lifestyle. Some things that we didn't have to worry about before, we now have to worry about because she is so small. So, so what I had to do, we had to have a higher level of, of, of safety and concern because she was so small. But eventually when she grew up, our level of concern went down. What I'm saying for you at some point, you ought to grow up where God's level of concern for you should go down. Everything, interaction that you have with somebody shouldn't drive you away from God. Somebody, everything that somebody says to you shouldn't cause you to walk out of the church and say, I'm not coming back anymore. Come on in here with me now. What I'm saying, the level of concern ought to go down for you at some point because we mature and we grow up in this thing. We grow up. You don't have to work as hard for me to come to church because at some point I realize I need the word. Oh, at some point, I'm going to get in trouble, but that's all right. At some point, you don't have to have a pancake supper for me to come to church because, come on, talk to me. I, I realize I, I need the word. I realize that I, I, I need God. You don't, you don't have to have a slide with bouncy balls outside in the parking lot for me to come to church. I wish somebody would talk to him. Because at some point, I realized I need God. I need him. And that's one of those things that, that you can help him. They take and lead the, the horse to water, but you, you can't make him thirsty. You can't make him drink. I can point somebody to where the word is, but at some point, they got to have a thirst as the heart panteth after the water brook. So panteth my soul after thee, oh God. I can't make them thirsty. I can show you where the water is, but 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 I, I can't make you. I can't make you thirsty. And what I found out is that I don't need to, you don't need as many miracles if you stay by the water. Don't need as many miracles. Come on here. If you, let me give you an example. If you think about it, I was just thinking about it when I was re reviewing the Bible. You see all the miracles of Jesus, but most of the miracles of Jesus didn't happen for the benefit of the disciples. It happened for other people because the disciples were right by the water. One of the miracles I can think of wasn't necessary. It's just Peter said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come out on the water with you. He didn't have to go, but Peter wanted to go, and God, Jesus wanted to show him something. That basically, he's saying, if you want to come and you keep looking at me, you can go places that you can't go by yourself if you keep your eyes on me. Oh, you, you can do the impossible if you keep your eyes on me. You can step out of things that other people need to stay in if you, I wish you were right here with me, if you keep your eyes on me. Now, the other miracle was Peter got a little... You know, you know, Peter was a hothead. They came to get Jesus out of the garden against Gethsemane, and Peter was from the west side of the kingdom. So he pulled his sword out and cut the man's ear off, and then Jesus restored the man's ear. But what I'm saying is they didn't need all of those miracles because they stayed close to the water. And what I'm saying to somebody, one of the problems with miracles is that it often requires you to stray from where you're supposed to be. 
But if you stay where you're supposed to be, oh, come on in here with me now. God, God's not, he's not one who, who withholds his miracles. But if you stay where you're supposed to be, often you won't need so many miracles. Because miracles require you to be in inescapable situations. I'm about finished, but let me give you number two. Miracles require you to have faith in ugly places. Miracles require you to have faith in ugly places. Because, see, we're in a place, right? It's not an ugly place. You got a nice seat. You got nice ambiance, you know. It's all right. It's easier to have faith in a pretty situation. But I'm talking about when you're by yourself and nobody's taking your phone calls and you feel like you're by yourself. And you just experience rejection and, and your heart and your spirit feel broken and, 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 and your, your, your eyes and your face are saturated with your own tears and you don't know what to do next. And you, you feel like your purpose is gone and, and you're sitting there by yourself in an ugly, teary, ugly cry situation. Sometimes it's hard to have faith right there. But miracles require you to have faith. In ugly situations. Well, I want you to get this. Say it to your neighbor. Say, miracles require you to have faith in ugly situations. Let's go back to the woman with the issue of blood. That was an ugly situation. That was a terrible situation. Emotionally and physically and naturally, that was a terrible, ugly, nasty situation. Even her own people considered her ceremonially unclean for the course of all of the time that she had been bleeding. And she's by herself. And she had tried every doctor. She got consult after consult. And nobody was able to give her an answer. And then, I, I want you to get this because I'm going to step from two to three quick on you, when you if you don't watch me. But, but, but she, when she got in the ugliness of her situation and she cried out, but she believed in her mind. She said, I've heard that Jesus is coming through. And I believe that if I but touch the hem of his garment that I shall be made whole. In other words, it's been 12 years, but I still see myself out of this. Uh, some of y'all, it's been 12 minutes. It's been 12 weeks. Uh, y'all not going to hear me. It's been 12 months. But for her, it's been 12 years. But my vision has not been stolen. The devil has not taken my hope. I still hope myself out of this situation. I, I, I'm going to keep hoping myself out until I can hop myself out. And I came to tell somebody this morning, you need to keep hoping yourself out until, until you can hop out yourself. And God is saying, if you keep on hoping, I'm going to give your legs the strength to hop out. And, and that's what the woman was saying. She said, it's been 12 long years, but my hope has not been destroyed. I still believe that I'm coming up. I wish I had somebody who was in a tough situation. Somebody just say, I still believe. I, I still, I, I still believe that I'm going to come out of this situation. She said, I still believe you can't, you, 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 you've, take, you've tried to take my joy, but you can't take my hope. I still believe that I'm coming out of this thing. 
See, I told you, that's what, sometimes you don't realize. We, we give the devil the victory in situations where he took stuff, but he didn't take what was important. He took some stuff. I wish I, I'm talking to a few people and they're going to talk back to me. He took some stuff out of your life. He took some people out of your life, but he didn't take the joy out of your life. And he didn't take the hope out of your life because he doesn't have the authority to take things that you cannot see. I wish you were here with me. He doesn't have the authority to take your joy. He doesn't have the authority to take your peace. He doesn't have the authority to take your hope, but he takes stuff and then you give it to him. They repossessed your car but they didn't steal your joy. You got fired from that job, but I didn't lose my hope. The doctor said the scan looks the same, but I still believe that I'm healed. The devil doesn't have the authority to touch your joy, to touch your hope, and to touch your peace. Somebody say, I still got it. There's some stuff that he did take but he didn't have the power and the authority to take my hope. And the woman with the issue of blood said, well, you've taken my time. You've taken my money. You've taken my dignity, but you haven't taken my hope. And she said, I, I still believe that I'm coming out of this. Somebody again say it with me, say, I still believe that I'm coming out of this. And see what happened. And the final thing, let me give you this because I'm turning the corner. I told you the first thing is that miracles require you to be in inescapable situations. The second thing I told you is that miracles require you to have faith in, in ugly situations. The final thing I, I need to tell you is that miracles require God's timing. Somebody say God's timing. See, what happened, if you, remember, if, if you remember in the story, the woman with the issue of blood, it said when she heard that Jesus was passing by. And then I began to think about it. Jesus went around that region a lot. I don't believe that was the first time that Jesus passed by. I'm going to give you that. The next thing I'm going to say, I don't believe that's the first time that she heard. Jesus was passing by. What I believe is that she needed God's timing for what she heard to match up with what she believed. Oh, let me give you that again. Sometimes you need God's timing for what you hear to match up with what you believe. And I'm going to help you with that. Sometimes there are things in life where the timing doesn't match up for us. Sometimes they'll, they'll tell you it's time. You want to, there's a brand new car available, but you already just bought your car. So what you hear doesn't match up with what you believe or what you need. Somebody might say that this, this, there's a single man available, but you said, this is my time I'm spending with God. So what you're hearing doesn't match up with what you need. Come on here. So if you walk with me, the woman with the issue of blood, she hadn't tried her last doctor yet. <laughs> she hadn't tried her last doctor yet. So what she hoped and what she believed was not yet in Jesus. She was hoping on another consult. 
She had another consult. She had another card for another specialist. And maybe the last time Jesus went by, she was still waiting on another doctor's appointment. So she heard he was coming, but it didn't mean anything to her because what she heard didn't match up with what she was hoping for. I came to tell you there, I'll talk for myself when I, I heard a lot of messages before I finally received the gift of God's Holy Ghost. I heard a lot of messages, but it was one Sunday night. I was right here on the altar. It was Mother Betty Suvon. She was, the, she was the supervisor of central jurisdiction. Mother Vaughn, God rest her soul, she wasn't the most eloquent preacher. She didn't have the most, she didn't have a big national profile. But what I tell you is what has to happen is when God's timing lines up. Somebody say when God's time. Because what I found out is it didn't matter how well she preached. Because it wasn't about who, but it was about when. And I came to tell somebody today, you're waiting on God, but it's not about who. Don't be looking for a certain person. It's not about who, but it's about when. You told me that your weeping may endure for the night, but when? midnight when joy comes in the morning you told me he may not come when you want him when but he's always on time so it's not about who but it's about when so the little woman had heard that Jesus was around she'd heard him come before but this time she was out of consult cards. The doctors didn't know what to do. She called everybody she'd heard of, but it was the win. Somebody say it was the win. But when Jesus came by, when she ran out of money, when she ran out of doctors, and she heard that Jesus was coming by, she said she made up in her mind, if I can go touch the hymn when he comes by if I can go touch the hymn when he comes it doesn't matter who, who's in front of me it doesn't matter the obstacles I have to go through because I've decided it's my win somebody say it's my win it's my win I believe it's my win this is my time somebody say this is my time said, this is my time to get my miracle. This is my time to get my deliverance. This is my time to get my breakthrough. And I don't know what Joseph was doing in prison, but he'd waited two long years and the cupbearer had said nothing. But all of a sudden one morning, somebody woke him up. And when they woke him up and brought him out of the prison, Joseph said, I'm ready. He said, because it's not about me, but it's my win. Now is my time. Nobody can stand in front of you when it's your time. Somebody say, it's my time. The woman with the issue of blood said, the men standing in front of me, but I'm going to wade through the men because it's my time. She got into the front. People were trying to press her to the back. She said, I'm not worried about who's in front of me because it's my time. I heard 
Daddy's on the way to Jairus's house. I'm not worried about where he's going. I'm just worried about where he is because it's my time. I don't need him to turn around. I don't need him to say anything. I don't need him to look me in the eye. I don't need him to put his hands on me because it's my time. I'm going to put my hands on his garment. And when I touch him, I'll be made whole. Why? Because it's my time. And I came to tell somebody, you're worrying about your miracle. You're worrying about your breakthrough. But when it's your time, when somebody say it's my time, when it's your time, you don't have to worry about the obstacles in front of you. When it's your time, it doesn't matter who else is there. In fact, when it's your time, it doesn't matter whatever else Jesus might be doing. But when it's my time, I can just touch. I can just touch the hem of his garment. I can just reach out. Somehow I came to tell somebody, it's your time to reach. You've been waiting on your moment, but it's your time to reach. You've been sitting there waiting on God to come into your bedroom. But he said, it's your time. It's your time to reach. He said, if you reach for it, you're going to get it. If you reach for it, he's saying, it's yours. Somebody say it's mine. Somebody say it's mine. Hallelujah. Come on, stand it to you. your time it does not matter whatever else is going on doesn't matter whatever else you've been through God knows when it's your time and the thing about it is some people get jealous on timing let me talk to everybody who's jealous about everybody else's timing you don't know what they've been through you don't know you judging somebody else because they seem like they got their breakthrough before you did. Baby, you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they've been through. Every time you think you know what somebody's been through, I want you to think, I, think of the man called Legion. They called him Legion. I call him the man of Gadara because Legion wasn't his name. Legion was the name of the demons that were inside of him. When you think you know what somebody's going through, I want you to remember Legion. Legion had something so powerful in him that when it jumped out of him, it went into the swine and they plunged to their deaths, committed suicide. 
I put it this way. Legion had was carrying something in him that would have killed anybody else. So baby, why are you judging? You don't know what somebody else has been through. They may have had legion in them. You don't know what they struggled with, what they suffered. But all I want you to understand is my time, this is going to bless somebody, my time does not impact your time. <laughs> oh, I need you to get that in your spirit. I want you to testify to your neighbor. Tell them, say, my time doesn't impact your time. My time doesn't, oh, oh, if you get it, it'll bless you. If you get it, it'll bless you. Your time doesn't impact my time. You can get your blessing tomorrow, but baby, I'm going to keep praising it because mine's still coming. Your time doesn't impact my time. That's why the Bible says rejoice with them that do rejoice. When you get your win, baby, I'm going to be clapping and praising God with you. Because your win doesn't impact my win. Your time doesn't impact my time. I'll praise him when God does it for you. And baby, I hope you'll praise him when he does it for me. Because my time doesn't impact your time. And if my time comes first, baby, don't worry. I'm going to praise him because your time is coming. Oh, look at somebody in the eye and say, your win is coming. Your win. Your win. Your win is coming. It's coming. The only thing I know is that I, the Bible tells me that my suffering won't last long. My trouble doesn't last always. Hallelujah. God will wipe away all my tears. Hallelujah. That's how my God works. That's how he operates. So my win is coming. Though it tarry, wait for it. So the Bible says, though it tarry, wait for it. That word is going to speak, and it shall not lie. What is man? God is not like man, that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should repent. But whatever he's promised you, his word will not fail. His word will not fail. His word will not fail. Oh, come on, minister that to somebody. Tell them his word won't fail. God's word won't fail. Whatever he's promised, it will come to pass. And if he's promised it, and I haven't seen it, then I have to live long enough to see it. Oh, I wish that would bless you would get that. If he promised it, and I haven't seen it, that he's going to cause me to live long enough for me to see it. You're going to live to see it. I came to tell you. You're going to live to see it. You will live and not die, and you will see the blessings of the Lord in the land. And you're not going to see it in heaven because it says in the land of the living. <laughs> In case you thought you were going to get it when you got to heaven, God said, no, nah, baby, you're going to see it while you're here. You're going to live to see the blessings of the Lord in the land of the living. Your win is coming. 
That's why I can say it. It's not me, and it's the Word saying, the Word is saying your win is coming. And if you believe it, come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you right now for your word of encouragement that comes to remind us, Lord, that even in our situations of darkness, in our ugly situations, where we even had to have faith, despite what it looks like, Lord, our time is coming. You've promised us that in your word. And Lord, we're going to live by faith. We're not going to allow the devil to extinguish our hope. But we're believing by faith in whatever you've declared and whatever you say, that it shall be done for us. In Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together again and give God some praise. For those of who've been watching online, we pray that you live by faith until we shall see you again. Come on, right. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.